your diaries. Genesis 28, 10 to 17. Uh, I'm not going to put it up on the screen because it's, uh, it's a bit of a long passage, but just have a listen to this and then we're going we're gonna to look at it. So it's the story of uh, Jacob, who was the, the grandson of Abraham. So Jacob left Beersheba, set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, everyone say a certain place. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you uh, you and your descendants the land on which you are living. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the people on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Verse 16, it says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So, then we've got a story about Jacob, the grandson of the great patriarch, Abraham. If you've read any of the Bible, if you know any of the Old Testament, it's different characters who, uh, whose stories and lives are in there uh, for our edification and for our instruction. And this journey of Jacob is instructive for us as believers. You know, Romans 15, 4, uh, 4 says this, For everything that was written in the past, it's the Old Testament, was written to teach us, So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So the two important elements that Paul talks about there, he says that that there's lessons of endurance that come through the scriptures and encouragement in regards to the scriptures that give us hope. When we read the Bible, when we study the word, when when we're feeding on the word, it brings endurance and it brings encouragement. And you ask, well, why, why do I need endurance? Uh, if you've been alive any period of time, you know that life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. And the Christian life is a marathon. And, you know, when you've been following the Lord a long period of time, uh, you see people who take off and, you know, doing all kinds of things. And then next thing, you know, they're gone uh, for whatever reason, fall over or something happens. They're no longer hungry for God, no longer in church, off doing their own thing. And so, you know, when you follow the Lord consistently over a long period of time, you see many people doing lots of different things. And sometimes you can think, well, why why isn't that happening for me? Or why is this not happening? Yet the Bible teaches us as we read it, as we understand it, that it's it's the long haul that you're interested in. Over the long time, when you're following the Lord, when you're putting his word into practice, you see the blessing come. It may not happen tomorrow, but God's word always works. And so this story here that we read is about Jacob and he's on this journey and he arrives at a place and we, we can work out from what he says later on that when he's at this place and it's, 
it's no particular place. He's going from a place to a place, and it's the in-between place that he's at right here. So he wasn't going to this place, but it's just on the journey. And it's clear that as, as he stays at this place, that there's no outward indication that God is there. Because later on he says, God was in this place and I wasn't aware of it. So there's no indication, no outward stimuli that would say, hey, God's here. There wasn't a burning bush. There wasn't an angel flapping its wings. There was nothing there in that place where he go, wow, this is a holy place. Or wow, God's here. Nothing. In fact, if you read up on the place, the place is called Luz. It talks about it in the Bible later. He mentions it. But if you, if you read it, and people that have been there say it's one of the most rocky, desolate places on the planet. It's a desert. It's rocky. There's not much there. So outwardly, there's no stimuli to say, wow, God's here. Wow, God's doing something. God's involved in this place. And yet it's in this place that Jacob has an encounter with God. It's in this place that he has the dream. It's in this place that something significant happens in his life. He awakes from a dream, as we said in verse 16 and 17. He awoke and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Did you know sometimes God is there. Sometimes God's at work in your life and you are not aware of it. Just because you can't see God, just because you're in a place, maybe in your life, maybe in your career, maybe in a relationship that's like Luz, it could be a desert, it could be a rocky place where there's no outward stimuli, no outward sign to say, wow, God's at work right now. And yet in the midst of that, as we learn from this story here, God's right there. God is right in the midst of it and he says, I was not aware of it. And then he says, how awesome is this place? And he changes the name of that place. He changes the name from Luz, which it was originally, to Bethel. He changed it to Luz, to uh, the house of God. Bethel means the house of God. Usually when we uh, associate or we're reminded of God's presence, you know, we're watching a beautiful sunrise or a sunset or you're over the beach and you get a you get a, a an impact if you like a, a stimulus to say wow isn't god incredible you watch a you know what's the colors across the sky at a sunset and it just blows you away god's incredible or big seas or something in nature that says wow god is here and god is incredible and god is powerful um but this story reminds us that, that God is there when you least expect it. And sometimes we need to know that, don't we? Sometimes we need to know that even when it, where we feel like we're at Luz, where there's desert, there doesn't seem to be any life, there doesn't seem to be much going on, there doesn't, it's, it's hard, it's rocky, it's a hard place, that God is there. He's in that place. And the, <clears throat> the incredible thing between the house of God or the place of encounter and Luz, the thing that hit me as I was studying this, it's the same place. Luz and Bethel is the same place. The only thing that changed 
was that he had an encounter, he had a revelation to see that God was there, that God was doing something, that God was at work. God gave him purpose and hope, spoke to him about his future, gave him purpose, and he changed the name of that place. So it wasn't like God took him out of there and set him in another place. The reason he came out was that all of a sudden he saw that place differently. Sometimes God is just saying, I want you to see the place you're in differently. I want you to see it the way I see it. I want you to open your eyes and understand that I am in this place and I am doing something significant in your life and in your world, in your circumstances that is going to have an impact on your future. And so don't despise this time right now because right now I want you to turn your Lars into Bethel. That's what he's saying here right now. It's about perspective. It's about not just focusing on what you see. Last week I shared in the, in the offering uh, that, that scripture. Where is it? I had it up there. Uh, it's in, my, it's in, in the other thing. Can you go to the scripture? I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> but I talked about it. It's in my message. No? Yeah. It's the last slide, I think. Last one, second last one, third last one. One of them. No, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. <laughs> no, not that one. No, it was in my offering message. Hold on, hold on. I'll find it. I just didn't. I just. No. <laughs> Sorry. Where did I put it? Second Corinthians ten seven. Okay, so last week it's right here in my notes. Last week in the offering, I talked about uh, 2 Corinthians ten seven. the first part, which says, do you look at things from the outward perspective? And it talked about the fact that, uh, that God is not just wanting us to look at things from the outside, but to see things through the eyes of faith. And that's exactly what God is saying to uh, Jacob right here. He's saying that I'm at work in this place. I'm at work in your life. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to, you may not be able to recognize it by the outward circumstances that you find yourself right now. But I want you to understand and have a revelation that you need to change where you are right now from Luz, which actually means separation, to the house of God. I want you to change your focus. Say, you know what? God is at work in this place. God is doing something right now. And you know, it talks about Jacob laying his head down on a stone, and that's how he had the encounter. The stones in the Bible talk about the Word of God. So Moses brought two stones, the Ten Commandments, down out of the mountain, brought them to the people. Stones talk about God's Word in the Bible. And so when he laid his head down on the stone, what it's saying is God, he was laying down on God's Word. And when he laid down on that Word, revelation began to flow. He began to see things differently. He began to experience an encounter with God that changed his perspective. That's why it's so important that we are reading God's Word and allowing God to speak to us about our lives and our circumstances about our future, about our church, about God, what God wants to do because it, that's the thing that empowers us to move through Luz and on to Bethel, onto the things that God's got for us. And so I want to ask you this morning, what do you see this morning? In 2015, what do you see? Do you just see 
the outward appearance of what the year is looking like right now? Do you see a year full of opportunity and favour in line with what God says and the promises that he lays down? Or do you see a year full of fears and obstacles? Maybe things aren't looking that great on the outside right now. But I want to encourage you, and God wants to encourage you this morning, say, you know what, I'm not going to just look at it from its outward appearance. I'm going to see God in the midst of what is going on right now in 2015. So what do you see? Do you see opportunity? And if you can't see it right now, you need to see it. Because God is a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, think, or imagine. God is a God who answers prayer, meets needs, is unlimited and unlimitable. And when we come before him, then we expect him to do things. It's a relationship. And so what do you see? Do you see new beginnings in 2015 or just same old, same old? Just the same old, same old, just another year, the same as last year, same as the year before. Or do you see new beginnings? Because the God is a God of new beginnings, the Bible says. New ideas, new opportunities, new things coming into our world that bring us onward and upward into the things God has for our life. It's a matter of not looking at things from the outward perspective, from the outward stimuli and saying, God, show me, show me what you've got. Help me to see, not just with my natural eyes, but with the eyes of faith, to believe and step out into the things that you've got for me in 2015. As a church, yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand. As a church, God wants to do things through us and in us to have an impact upon this community. And there's lots of things that we're looking at starting and and getting involved in 2015, and we'll talk about that later in February, Vision Sunday. But, But God is at work in us and through us, the Bible says. In us, so answering our prayers, meeting our needs, working in our family and everything, but not just in us, but through us. They're the two elements of the Christian life. Yes, God wants to answer our prayers, meet our needs, fulfill our desires, but he also wants to move through us to change the lives of other people. And if we've only got our focus on one part of it, then we're missing. And if it's just about helping other people, which you know some, some Christians say, oh, no, no, I don't want to have anything for myself, and you know I, I don't deserve anything, I just want to help others, that's only part of the picture as well. There's nothing wrong with God bringing blessing into our life. There's nothing wrong with God answering prayers, meeting needs in our careers and our families and, and you know, having a nice house or a nice car. Or, there's nothing wrong with all of that. God wants to work in us, but he also wants to work through us. And if we only got one part of it, we've only got half the picture. But when we bring that together, then we're seeing everything that God wants to do. He wants to see our lives blessed and, and then he also wants to see us being effective in the lives of other people. So what do you see this morning? Do you see a world chaotic and out of control? If you read the Daily Telegraph, then yes, you probably do. <laughs> uh, or do you see God at work right now in the world fulfilling his purpose and plan and saying who's prepared to put up their hand and say I want to be part of the solution that's what God's looking for right now we've got an important part to play so the devil's MO the devil's method of operation is one of suggestion and this is the way he works and it's all throughout scripture I haven't got time to look at all the scriptures but uh, you know he did it with Jesus he did it with Adam and Eve but he, he, he tries to reinforce insinuation by getting us to focus on the outward appearance 
And so he'll say, look, God's not for you. Have a look at your circumstances. That's what he said to Eve. God's not for you. He's withholding the apple or the fruit or whatever it is. And so he, the way he works is he tries to reinforce his suggestion by get us, getting us to focus on our surroundings rather than living and working and believing by faith. So we'll go, look, what's this Christian stuff doing for you? Look at your life. Have a look at your circumstances. Has it got better? It's, good. it's worse. This is not happening. That's not happening. What's God doing for you? Forget about God. Forget about church. Go back to what you were doing. It's, it's suggestion. He drops suggestion and asks us to, and tries to get us to focus on the outward appearance, on the, the, the physical stimuli. Because God is sometimes working behind the scenes. God doesn't always work in front of us. He's at work behind us. He's in, at work ahead of us. And that's the beauty of the scriptures. As we read the stories of the patriarchs, as we read the stories of people, we get the whole picture. We can see that in there, if you, if you take a, a, uh, just a, a focus on one day like this day in Jacob's life or the day before, you can go, well, where's God? But when you look at his whole life, you see God's faithfulness and fulfillment of promises all the way through. That's what gives us the encouragement, the focus and the determination. You know what? I'm going to choose God rather than take the, what seems to be the easy way out. I'm going to trust the Lord with this area of my life. So he says, hey, look at your family. Look at your bank balance. Look at your careers. What's God doing for you? God is at work. It's a matter of saying, you know what? It may look like Luz on the outside, but it's Bethel on the inside. Because it's one and the same place. The only thing is, it's about the way I see it and what I believe about it. What do you see? It was a fog-shrouded morning in July 4, 1952, when a young woman named Florence Chadwick waded into the waters off Catalina Island. She intended to swim the channel from the island to the California coast. It had, be, had never been done before by a female. Long-distance swimming was uh, not new to her. She'd swum the English Channel both ways previously, so she was a, she was a, um, a professional long-distance swimmer. The water was numbingly cold that day, July 4, 1952. The fog was so thick she could hardly see the boats that were surrounding her as she swam. Several times, sharks had to be driven away with rifle fire. Imagine that. <laughs> She swam more than 15 hours before she was asked, she asked to, to be taken out of the water. She'd been swimming 15 hours. Her trainer tried to encourage her. Her mum was also on the boat saying, you're almost there. Just keep going. She swam a little bit longer and then said, get me out. She stopped swimming and they pulled her out of the boat. She was one mile from the shore. She'd been swimming 15 hours. She was one mile from the shore. She later said, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the land, I would have made it. Because she was surrounded by fog. She couldn't see the final destination. She couldn't see where she needed to go. And in the midst of the fog, she gave up. So close to her destination. You know, life is like that sometimes. We find ourselves in a fog and we give up, not knowing that we're so close to the prize. That's why God's word, it says, is a light in the dark. God's, wor God's, God's word is like a beacon in the fog that says, all things are working together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. 
Two months later, after her failure, so eight weeks later, Florence Chadwick walked to the same beach, the same channel, swam the distance, the same thick fog began to descend upon her, and yet this time she swam all the way to the coast. They said, what was the difference between this time and last time? The conditions were the same. She said, this time. Before I left, I took a photo of the coastline and the week before, I focused on it every day. And while I was swimming in the dark, I was focused on the coast. How amazing is that? That is exactly like our life. If you don't know where you're going, if you're not sure where you're headed, if you don't know what God's got for you, then you're going to give up. Proverbs 29.18 says, Without a vision, people cast off restraint. Another version says they cast, uh, without a vision, people perish. And so you might be feeling in love at the moment. You might be feeling like, man, I'm in a hard place. This is a rocky place. This is not easy. I don't know where God is. What's God doing? What, what's going on? He doesn't seem to be here. I want to tell you this morning, as we stop to pray in a minute, I want you to ask God, God, show me. Oh, show me. And then put your head down on a stone tonight. Not literally sleeping on a stone, but let God's word get into your head. Let God speak to you. Let revelation fill your heart. One word from God. One word from God will break off every lethargy, every disappointment, every discouragement. And put energy in your soul to go, you know what, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. It might be foggy at the moment. I can't see the end, but I can see God showing me what it looks like. And I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to believe God today. I'm going to trust God today. I'm going to step out on His Word and I'm going to believe Him and I'm going to watch what He does. And I can guarantee you, God will never, ever let you down. He'll never let you down in Jesus' name. Let's close our eyes this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. God, we thank you. Thank you for the story of Jacob. Thank you for the details that you've included in your word. Father, that these are instructional, that they would give us endurance, that they would give us encouragement to keep going, to believe God, to trust, to hear from you, Lord. We pray that revelation would fill people's souls, Lord. People are feeling not sure about 2015. What am I meant to be doing? Where am I meant to be going? Uh, it feels like it's a desert. God, what are you doing? What, where are you? That, the, that Luz will be turned into the house of God, a place where God is, where His presence is, where revelation flows. God, we thank you. Let your spirit, let your anointing move in our hearts and lives today. Jesus, we thank you.